Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Practices in Human Resource podcast. My name is Brenda. I am your host, and I am incredibly excited for yet another really awesome episode. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, You're going to find that we put a lot of really good information out um, to get you guys ahead in figuring out all those puzzles and pieces that go into the how to do this and what do I need to do in regards to human resources. And for those of you who are returning listeners, thank you so very much. Um, Can you believe that it has been a year? That's right. This podcast has been going on for a year. This is the 37th episode. And come the end of the year, we will have episode number 40 at the end of December. So, holy cow, <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of podcasting going on there. But um, I've got somebody super special coming on towards the end of the year, and uh, I am really looking forward to that. I'm I'm always looking forward to these things. But anyway, but I'm here to help share with you the what and how in human resources, and I am in the human business. That means that a greater number of dynamics in the workplace that are there to have us. We have to figure out how to balance and manage. Um, Today we are going to talk about employment law changes across the nation and I have poster updates for you. I know that is the one thing you've been waiting for all weekend long (laughs) was poster updates. But we're going to kick off poster updates to get us prepared for 2020 because it's going to be yet another epic year. Um, Our main topic today, we've got a very special guest, um, somebody that I've known for a little while, a super guy, and we're going to talk about what a Navy SEAL knows about negligent retention, and we're going to have Eddie Penny on. Um, We've got the HR question of the day, and then I'm going to share with you how you can get best practices delivered right into your inbox. And before we go on, I want to make sure that you guys know that the information that is available through this podcast is in fact for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal guidance with respect to any particular issues. If you don't have an employment attorney, reach out to me and I may be able to refer one to you through our affiliate program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, poster updates. Oh my gosh, exciting stuff. Okay, so let's take a look at what is most current. I'm going to step back to updates that have been released since September. So if you are in the state of Washington, if you are in New Jersey, Arizona, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Nevada, and Maryland, you have poster updates. And again, Washington, New Jersey, Arizona, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, Nevada, and Maryland. You guys have poster updates. Now, coming into 2020, we already know, and these are probably going to change a lot at the last minute, but here is the list going into 2020. If you are in Florida, 
Minnesota, Montana, South Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, and Vermont. You guys all have poster updates that go into effect the 1st of January. Again, that's Florida, Minnesota, Montana, South Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, and Vermont. Now, there's a lot of companies out there that will send you marketing material in the mail, just like having you panic that, like, oh my God, your posters are out of date. You have to act now, act now, act now. Don't worry, okay? When you get that stuff, chuck it, because I'm going to tell you how to get really good posters that are compliant, and you'll be able to get them through December 31st at an additional discount. So our friends over at the Labor Law Compliance Center um, actually produce quality posters. They're the ones that keep help keep me informed of the updates that are taking place. If you go to the bestpractices.org website, click on the affiliates link, and then scroll down to where you see the Labor Law Compliance Center, you're going to see a code down there for, I think it's, if I remember correctly, it's a 25% discount. I haven't looked <laughs> for a little while, so sorry. It's, but it's a pretty good discount. It's a pretty good discount, actually. Um, there's a code. Get your posters in this month. Make sure you guys get that order in, and they will take very, very good care of you over there. Okay, so <clears throat> employment law updates across the nation. Um, as it sits right now, the National Labor Relations Act, there is a bill that is on the floor uh, that is seeking to classify graduate students in universities and schools as workers, as employees. Okay, let me say that one more time. There's a bill that seeks to classify graduate student workers as employees under the National Labor Relations Act. So nothing's been done yet. So if you're listening and you're from a school or your university, just hang 10 on this one, hang tough on this one until we actually get some more details out on that. Also, um, employers may need to provide cost data under the proposed ACA rules. Again, don't know exactly what's going on with that, but what that is specific to is the cost of benefits provided. So again, just stand by. We haven't heard anything. Um, it's not a huge, uh, it's not, so far it's not a boulder and a puddle that's landing in front of you. So um, I'll definitely do what I can to keep my eyes open for that. And as I get my updates, then I'll pass that information along. But that's going to be one where an update comes in everybody's going to be talking about it. So, okay, the uh, for government contractors, the OFCCP has officially reported that it is not going to use the EEO1 component to pay data, which is a sigh of relief because that's a lot of information uh, for the government to be digesting. So, good news, again, the OFCCP has officially reported it is not going to use the EEO1 component to pay data uh, submitted by government contractors. Over in the state of Illinois, there is some information about out there regarding the Artificial Intelligence Video Interview Act. And Illinois is actually putting their stamp and mark on privacy implications that surround that. Now, I've mentioned in previous episodes, way at the beginning, when I first started podcasting, that AI was going to pose um, some desperate impact risks. <clears throat> and that is that desperate impact, meaning that we're moving forward with the best of intentions, thinking that what we're doing is lawful, and later to kind of find out that under the surface that they're not. And Illinois is already moving forward um, with uh, addressing that in regards to hiring practices using the video interview process. 
So if you're in Illinois, definitely want to check a look on that. And also if you're in Illinois, <clears throat> um, they have actually amended the marijuana law uh, that is out there that has kind of provided some clarity and a little bit of whew, relief to employers with a workplace drug testing program. So um, if you're in the state of Illinois and you drug test your employees, make sure that you check that out. Um, over in New York City, uh, gig workers now have earned workplace protections. Not surprised about this. This is a very big push on uh, agenda to get gig workers potentially reclassified as uh, W-2 employees. Uh, I'm not saying that they've been reclassified as W-2 employees, but over in New York City, there are some there are some benefits out there for them. Over in Pennsylvania, fluctuating workweek pay methods is not available in the state as their state Supreme Court holds. So if you are working over in Pennsylvania, make sure that you take a look at the ruling coming down from the state Supreme Court around fluctuating workweek pay methods. And finally, down in Texas, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, we've been talking about how San Antonio had put out a paid sick leave ordinance. It is not going to go into effect on December 1st. So uh, if you guys are down in San Antonio, just make sure that you know that it is not moving forward in uh, on December 1st. It has actually been blocked in court. Um, not sure what they're going to do past that, but you're definitely going to want to take a look at that and stay tuned and keep your Gotta keep your ear to the ground on what may or may not be happening. Of course, as soon as I find out, then I'll definitely make sure that we put this on this particular segment of the podcast episode. All right, folks, and today we are talking about negligent retention. And the theory behind this whole episode is that negligent retention really starts at the beginning of employment. And it really starts with the background check. Now, some of you may disagree with that, and that's cool and that's fine because at the end of the day, look, employees make mistakes. It's very simple, and we're going to get into a lot of that stuff. Um, but aside from retaining talent that actually isn't producing or taking more time away from the things that you should be doing and forces you to focus on things that they should be doing, neg negligent retention is a, actually a very costly mistake to make in business. It's not only the act of failing to discharge an employee when the employer is aware that the employee is a problem or worse, a hazard. It's also a claim that employees can make against their own employer and there's a good chance that they are going to win. Now in most cases, this involves situations where employers knew or should have known that the worker in question had a tendency to commit Things like workplace violence, sexual harassment, <clears throat> any type of workplace harassment, bullying, safety reasons that involve any type of willful neglect of safety practices, uh, any type of fraud, dishonesty, or questionable type of conduct. Uh, legal action actually could follow uh, if there's an injury or any form of loss to the employee or multiple employees or an employer that fails to terminate an employee in a reasonable, timely manner. Now, these types of claims need to be supported with evidence that the employee in question has a tendency or former history towards this kind of harmful behavior. And one example of negligent retention is where one employee is sexually harassing another employee, or worse, even a customer, where neither one is worse than the other one, they're both pretty bad. 
But under normal circumstances, there's going to be some form of disciplinary action usually. But if the employer actually fails to terminate the employee when they clearly should have, then the doors blow wide open for an employee to find a negligent retention claim against the employer. Now another example is if an employee violates the company's weapons policy, just for instance, and brings a weapon into work. If the employer does nothing when the concern was brought up, then again, the doors are wide open. So it's important for people to understand not only what the policy is, and, and I'm speaking about managers and leaders in the company, they need to understand what the policy is and what to do if something should come up. If they fail to report it at the management level and run it up the line into human resources or whoever's in a position to, ex you know, to execute this level of authority in an organization, what a manager does actually or fails to do um, opens up opportunity for a company to have a lot of headaches as well. Bad, bad, bad. So the impacts to the employer around negligent retention can include things like li being liable for damages due to negligence, uh, the costs to provide payment for injuries, property damages, and other forms of loss. We haven't even thought of even looking at the legal fees and expenses just surrounding it. Um, but probably some of the most harshest is the actual loss of trust in the workplace, the erosion of productivity and culture in the workplace, the negative press that the company risks getting and the reputation to the people that your company is doing business with. And then not to mention, and, and I get a lot of pushback on this, so I'm going to explain this this time. I tend to say that small companies are usually bigger targets and therefore wind up feeling a more significant impact to what's going on. And I'm you know, like, no, 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 it's the big companies that do. So let me explain the reason why. The Department of Justice tends to focus in on small companies because of exactly that reason. They're small and they can slip, okay? It's not the Department of Justice that's looking, they're not out to make companies wrong or out to find them. All they're doing is just ensuring that they're upholding the law, okay? So when you've got negligent retention or you've got a situation where you should have, uh, you know, terminated an employee that didn't and you had a situation that occurred in the workplace. I remember one time, and I talked about this in the past too, you know, I worked with a client of mine that had a near stabbing. Had we not done what we needed to do and something happened in the workplace, um, you know what, the DOJ is going to be paying very close attention to that organization uh, because they're a risk. <clears throat> it's as simple as that. So when I say that, again, small businesses are a bigger target, it may not be the size of the target, but it could, it could be the ease in which the agencies can enforce laws upon a company that also create a sizable effect. Usually it's financial and it is the most painful out of all the results, exception of death, which God forbid that should ever happen. So how do you protect yourself from the negative effects or act in a precautionary way to prevent negligent retention? So let's first look at what you can do at the very beginning of any employer and employee relationship. And this is where I'm going to bring in Eddie. So Eddie Penny is a retired Navy SEAL. He's an awesome guy. Met him a few years ago. Super at what he does. Very intelligent. And uh, I'm just going to let him... I'm just going to let this conversation go, and you guys get to hear about what we talked about. I have 
have got somebody that I have been so excited to have on the show for a while. Um, he is here. He is ramming all this in right before Thanksgiving madness, so I really appreciate it. I would like to welcome to the show Eddie Penny. How are you? Good, Brenda. Thanks for having me on. And you are right, right before Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know you know what that's like. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> we are shucking and jiving. There's no doubt about it. That's right. <laughs> so, and if you're, if you're as busy as I am, which you probably are a little bit busier than me, but um, yeah, you're moving, you're, you're moving at breakneck speed. So Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so today we're talking about negligent retention and the risks that surround that. Um, can you can you do me a favor? Could you please give everybody the summary of your background? I know you and I met a few years ago mm-hmm. in Las Vegas and um, at the Shot Show when you were uh, doing some demo work over over at the main event. But I would love for you to just kind of give people your background so they kind of understand where we're coming from. Okay, I uh, did four years in the Marine Corps and the infantry, then switched over to the Navy to do the the SEAL program. So I did the SEALs for 16 years. Uh, last couple of years before I retired in 2016, I got my degree in security management and just kind of fell in love with starting security. So I started a security company contingent group, uh, retired, and then just been doing uh, working for contingent groups since, um, done some things with the NRA. Speaking on security issues, gun issues, obviously, on NRA TV, uh, and a bunch of other things here and there. So just kind of been bouncing around the, bouncing around and just, but but the main focus has been contingent group, which is a risk mitigation service. Because it's mm-hmm. kind of like security, but people hear security, they think of the guy at, you know, at the front door, the guy with a little earpiece, and that's not what we do at all. We're very low profile, uh, which means, you know, a lot of people don't know we're there. We do intelligence gathering uh, we do stuff to like security for your mind, so you know exactly what you're what you need to be doing, like to prepare yourself for whatever situation. We also provide security services to go with you overseas or to certain events to ensure that you are safe. Uh, car services, background checks that we're going to be discussing today, um, and just really an all all encompassing security. Um, I mean, that's really what we do. We do it all. We pretty much design your security system for you because everyone is different. So that's kind of what we do. Right. And you do executive protection as well. Yes, ma'am. Of course, that kind of just falls into it. Some people need us to go with them. Right. Exactly. So, so you hit the nail right on the head today. This, the show is about negligent retention, the things that happen as a result of this. And so this really, if you're, if you're in HR and you're working with folks in loss prevention, this is also a really great company to connect with. Um, they are one of Eddie's companies, one of our affiliates on the affiliates page. Um, and they can actually perform a wide variety of background checks on individuals for a couple of different reasons, pre-employment, and a couple others too. I mentioned, um, you know, executive protection a little while ago, but <clears throat> um, definitely reach out to them and get that clock working. But the reason why we wanted to talk about negligent retention is that with this is a changing environment, and 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 Eddie, you've got to be blown out of the water with some of the things that happens in the domestic <laughs> arena oh my here. Gosh. Yes, yes, it's crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's insane. So it's every time we seem to be turning around, <clears throat> you know, we're we're hearing that somebody's getting there's workplace violence all over the place. Somebody's getting shot. There's a mass shooting. We've had one here in Virginia Beach, as you well know, and and a lot of it starts with companies who are starting to fail to really pay attention to the background. 
or mm-hmm. or small companies who either don't know better or really don't have the resources to do that. Right. Uh, you, the resources always it comes out. We don't have money, but you know if you if you're in charge of your company or, or whatever it is, whatever your position may be, that's kind of controls the money or divvies it out. If you look at what you're spending your money on and, and you know the severity of what could happen if you don't spend it on certain things, you're going to realize really fast that you are, um, you're not doing the right thing. You know, a lot of people do the reactive versus the proactive Mm -hmm. and, and we see it across the country. I mean, shooting after shooting after employee does this and that, you know, it just, it's, it's constant. It's just, and, and, you know, just to be, you know, very, uh, upfront, you can't stop it all. It's impossible to stop it all or else if we could, there'd be no more crime. And unfortunately, that's just not the way it is. But you can greatly mitigate it and be an unattractive target for some people that want to do some bad things. And that's the name of the game. So the more unattractive you are, for once, that's actually a good thing. Uh, The more unattractive you are as a company or an organization, that's great. That means they're going to go somewhere else or the employee is going to think twice about retaliation once they get fired or whatever. And the list goes on and on. But it's about being proactive. So something... I want to shift a little over to government contractors just real quick because I know you're familiar with government contracting. One of the biggest beefs that I have when I hear this is government contractors saying, well, I'm not going to run a background check because they're going to wind up having to do security clearance anyway. And I think personally that's foolish because you're about ready to bring somebody in, start compensating them, or you may have them on hold for a little while. And if, if you Wait until that check goes through. I mean, how long does the security clearance take sometimes? It can be, what, three months to a year and a half, depending on what it is? It depends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it does. Can, yeah, it could be a while. There's been some instances where it takes a while, and that person is in your organization. I, I totally agree with you. If you have the ability, which is not that expensive, is to gather, yeah. like, the, the basic things, you know, like all the stuff that you need to know, like do social media, uh, a lot of people do like, okay, what's his criminal record or her criminal record? And they're like, okay, they're good. They haven't had anything since, you know, in 10 years. Well, another thing that is really big to look at is social media. We, we can kind of find out who the person is, what they're into, what they're, what's got going on. And, you know, that stuff is not going to be um, on a background check per se. So that's a huge thing that people right. need to do. And I understand we can't, I uh, can't, you know, discrimination laws and all that good stuff. I got it. But still, you get to find out exactly who, pretty much who you're about to let in your world. So uh, that's a huge thing that needs to be done. And it's not. So bad behavior is something that is not captured if there's no criminal record. <clears throat> and and, and employ, employers cannot actually hire an empl- a candidate or refuse to hire a candidate based only on an arrest record. There actually has to be a conviction. Um, and then they can make a determination based off of that, nor can they make an adverse action or a knowing action to terminate employee unless there's an actual conviction. So, <clears throat> I mean, they can, or they do it if they're, if, if there's an arrest, but I can promise you there's going to just be a load, a load of problems coming at you. And that's the reason right. why we say you don't want to do it that way. But, you know, we, in, in HR, we've got a lot of people who understand how to do behavior-based interviewing, which means that we're asking questions that we're influencing people to tell us their story. And there are certain things that are just not going to show up in an interview, and they're mm-hmm. not going to show up on a background check that could be potential flags for individuals who, who might create a problem or might be 
uh, or might lean towards workplace violence. In your opinion, what are some of those things that people can look for? Now, they're, they're not absolutes, but what are some things that people can look for when those signs are not in the most current common places to look? Uh, I, I guess the big thing is, is you know, it's like security, as, as I tell people. It's not... It's not about you locking the door. It's not about you shutting the windows or shutting the curtains or having an alarm system or a dog. <clears throat> it's about all of them combined, right? It's not mm-hmm. one one all is like the is the fixer of everything. So I think it's a combination of all of them. And a huge thing is it's like, hey, are, is this person honest? Like, are they are they being honest? Are they saying yes? I did get a DUI last year. Okay, cool. They're being. I mean, they messed up. You know, we all we all have messed up. That is that is. For sure, there's a guaranteed. But you know, if you got someone that's trying to lie in an interview, and you might have paperwork that states otherwise, uh, that's that's a huge red flag. That's that's a right. huge red flag. So I think that honesty piece is very big. And if they're honest and saying that, which they're not, I mean, if you can think about, it, if you can remember any time where you had to like give over some information that you did not like, and you did, uh, the other person on the receiving end that's actually asking the question, they appreciate that. I mean, I know I do. Um, you know, if I'm hiring someone and they're very honest and forthcoming with me, I love that. I'm like, okay, cool. All right. I'm not going to question your integrity, which is not on any piece of paper or anything. Now I've got some intangibles to go off of. I think, and correct, correct me if I'm on the wrong mindset here, but I think there is still a significant number of people here in the U.S. that if they see weird behavior coming from somebody, they still have a reservation about pointing a finger or calling it out um, because one, they don't, I don't think they want to look bad or number two, they don't want to falsely accuse somebody in those situations. Yeah. What, what do you recommend for people who kind of have that mindset that maybe not necessarily have their eyes always fixed on, is this bad behavior? Is this something that could potentially lead to something else? Um, I think, you know, especially with all the events that are happening now, I think people are kind of more weary about it. They're kind of, uh, they're paying attention a little bit more, I should say, is, you know, if you got weird behavior going on, I think it needs to, if you're, if it's a friend or a colleague, I think it needs to be, just bring it up to them. You don't have to bring any other management or anything in and just like, see what's going on. It might just be a bad day. They might be going through a breakup or a kid's been acting up at school. I mean, there might be a very good reason for it. As we know, we all have children and have spouses and all that stuff. And, well, we have life going on around us. And, you know, we're not always in the peachy mood. So I think just having that, uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, it's it's true. Everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with him? Like, he's in a bad mood. Did I do something wrong? No, there's about a thousand other factors that could be affecting this mood. So instead of just trying to assume, which we know is never a good thing, confront yeah. it and see what the problem is. And if it's like, hey, I don't want to talk about it and it continues, then maybe maybe it's time to bring it up the chain of command or whatever the hierarchy is for that organization and, you know, address it. Because when it doesn't get addressed, things can get really bad and people are not getting the help that they need or just someone to talk to uh, because of the home life, they can't do it there or something. So I think a big thing is to address it. I, I'm very big on addressing it. Um, I have failed sometimes. It's costed, um, you know, it's costed problems with, like, friendships it's costed things with employees all that stuff so i've kind of learned you know by by failure i guess you could say which is one of my favorite things to say because i fail time and time again but you know i get you get smarter and smarter as it goes especially running a business is you need to uh you know you need to address it you need to be more aggressive on that and like hey what's going on what's up like how do we fix this let's go 
and it's I not and it. I think that right, and I think that's the call out right there is that few people are still hesitant, or there, I think there's still people out there that are hesitant to address behavior because one, they don't know how to do it, or number two, <clears throat> um, there's a level of intimidation there, or they're, again, they're just fearful that they're going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And when you rem- so you remember um, last spring. Um, actually, I brought Johan on the show, and we were talking about the shooting that had taken place um, not too far from your neck of the woods up in Oklahoma. And it was the gentleman that uh, was in a plant, and he wound up bringing a 45, and he just purchased it. He shot the HR manager, an HR intern, intern who was there on the very first day, the plant manager, and one other employee. And a lot of people were surprised by that. They were surprised to hear that this gentleman actually engaged in that but I'm also of the belief that it's not always a surprise that there are things to look out for do you agree with that or do you not I absolutely agree with that and I believe it starts the first time they come in and say hey I'd like a job (laughs) it starts it starts there it starts there like you kind of start making your folder like hey what's going on with this person uh, you need to know that person. I mean, they're they're coming into your world, and what you just said obviously does happen and can happen and will happen again. Um, and that kind of goes to many different things on what needs to be in place, what protocol should be there uh, for an organization. And, you know, it's not all on the background check. Like, you can't just do a background check and be like, all right, you're good to go. Here you go. Have, you know, have access to everything. You can't do that because that's not how it works. People change. Things change. Life things change in in those individuals so uh, a background check is good for you know you, you do it then in two years a lot has happened in two years i mean just think about two yes. years ago in your life how many things have changed uh so yes. you know constantly going back and and doing other things and checking up things and making sure you're doing your due diligence especially i guess that'd be an hr thing is uh or security is finding out you know what's going on is everything okay and you're not prying you're just making sure your people are good there's something wrong with that Yeah, I think that's the key right there is that I I think sometimes I I certainly know this to be true, like back in the early 2000s that we were so concerned about um, not intruding on people. But, you know, we're in an environment where everybody puts all of the laundry out on social. Um, You know, nobody's shy about going outside of the bounds of what should and shouldn't be said. And, you know, those are key behaviors. Those are key indicators that could potentially line up to something unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And, and every situation is different. It's not like oh, you go check social media, you get to know your person. That's not true. Uh, I put fake things on my media, like where I am all the time. So I'm just <laughs> because I don't want people to know where I am half the time. And that's right. not I'm not. I mean, it's not like I've never been there. It's just it's not where I am right now because I don't want you to know where I am uh, for security exactly. purposes. So it doesn't mean I'm putting up things. Oh, I like kids. I think, you know, I like my kid. Here it is. Oh, we're having such a great time. But by the season, like, I don't like my kid. I'm not saying that. Um, it's just, but yeah, but you, you can't just rely on that one thing. So, I mean, you know, it is everyone's on social media. Everyone's happy and perfect and everything. Nothing could go wrong. It's just like, leave it to be. Oh, no. That's, That's right. It's a unicorn. It's a unicorn world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. How it's that's a unicorn so world. Oh uh, but yeah, but you, I mean, so, it's all these things that kind of come into it that kind of show you who, what your product of that person is, and and obviously their work ethic. I mean, how are they around the office, right? Like, how right. are they? Are they friendly? Are they shy? Do they not talk to anybody? Because that that's you know that's you can tell right there. Yeah, 
And there's a lot of damage that gets done internally. So we're talking about negligent retention. So when we're hanging on to somebody that's starting to show signs, um, back in a former position, I had an individual who liked to say things to startle people on purpose. And, and it became a big question mark as to, is this the kind of individual that is capable of moving forward and actually doing something or not? And, and it was a very intentional act. Um, it was a very complicated situation, which thankfully ended up very well. Um, but, um, you know, it just, it does, it gets confusing and it taxes the brain just a little bit. But I, in my opinion that I think had we held on to that individual, um, things would have absolutely gotten worse. It, it sucks morale right out the window when you've mm-hmm. got, you know, somebody who's in, who's in a seat that shouldn't be in a seat or in a right. seat that is starting to cause worry and concern. Right. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes you have to take out the trash, and I'm not saying that to certain people, but you know if they're bringing negative things into the organization, uh, my motto is it's time for you to go because yeah. I don't have time for that. So being in in your former your first profession, your first career as a Navy SEAL, something that. Um, believe it or not, it's really hard to actually find a company that will do a background check on a DD-214 um, mm-hmm. and to actually verify and confirm whether or not somebody has uh, served in the military and to the capacity that they say they have. And I know you've seen your share of posers out there. Yes. Everybody wants to be a Navy SEAL. Lord knows I've seen my, my share too. And I think, matter of fact, when you and I were prepping for this, I told you about, um, I, I want to make sure that people understood this. I told you the story about in 1999, before majority of this technology came out, um, there was a gentleman who served as a U.S. Marshal. And he had on his resume that he was a retired Navy SEAL. Well, after technology came in and they did a sweep and went and uh, went back and confirmed people's backgrounds. Uh, he lied. Big surprise. Yeah. So there you go. That's a perfect example, and it happens more often than we think. I think it's um, I think it's almost like fifty percent of all resumes are fabricated or are not really telling all the truth. So fifty percent, fifty percent. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, there's it's one thing to write a resume in in a way that promotes yourself and it may be slightly inflated but you're right there's a significant amount of people that actually do things um like that that takes it over the limit now do, do your service does can you also do dd214 which is yes for those who are listening yes. you don't know what that is yes we can definitely do that and check. yeah we can check all that stuff it's a little bit more lengthy of a process but yes it can definitely be done and checked uh, legal means to ensure that that person says exactly what that has on that piece of paper is them and that they've actually that we can verify that form so for those who are listening a dd214 is the paperwork that comes with somebody when they have left the left the military under a wide variety of reasons but nonetheless everybody has a dd214 yep it's a piece of paper that everyone loves <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know you've got a lot of things going on, but do you have any words of other words of wisdom, any other best practices that you could recommend to avoid, other than what we've already talked about, avoid bringing you the, either the wrong person into the company or 
keeping a, a person in the company that shouldn't? I guess the biggest thing, and this is very broad, and I apologize for that, but I mean, it's the truth, is you have got to be proactive. I kind of you know, alluded to it at the very beginning of this podcast, is you got to be proactive. You can't just be lazy. Oh, it'll go away, or it's okay. You can't have that mindset. Um, you know, if you're bringing someone into the organization, you have to do your checks on it. It doesn't mean you need to, like, you know, waterboard them or, you know, hold them into interrogation or go crazy. It's just... <laughs> You know, at minimum, like run a background check, see what the criminal, what criminal things have gone. Because I mean, you can tell like somebody might have six offenses, but they're all for speeding or running a red light. Okay, so clearly they have like just like car issues, right? So it's not like a drug thing or it's not a theft thing. So you know, you know, the crimes usually kind of go with the person. It's not just this, uh, and it could be all just drugs, which is now you have a, might have a drug problem or. It's from theft. Okay, now you're going to be stealing or someone could possibly be stealing. So it kind of tells you what they've been in or what they kind of people they've hung out with. It just paints a picture for you. And the the goal is to get that picture completely painted as best you possibly can for that person is allowed in your organization. And that doesn't mean we're done. We stop. You still got to have to. And this is where training comes in in your organization is, okay, if something's not right with, you know, Bob over here or Angie over here. Um, which I've never used that word, Angie. That's so weird. Okay, we'll just keep going. Um, <laughs> is that like, it's a weird name. You don't really hear that name anymore. But you like you need to make sure that people are like checking that out and we're watching each other, holding each other accountable. Uh, and, it might, and it's a good thing. It's like, hey, something's not right with that person. Let's let's go, let's engage, let's talk. And that might not, that might be all there is. Like, hey, they're having hardships with the home. How can we help out? Right. Uh, or it could be mm. something very, like a lot worse. Like the example you gave or that we're seeing all there could be an active shooter situation. I don't know. Right. So these are these are things you've got to be proactive. You cannot because there's nothing. I You know what? Here's a, here's a great thing. I talked with a gentleman uh, that their organization had an active shooter situation, a live one, where luckily there it was in a, uh, a big building and their people were there just to do work and they did not get killed or anything like the other people did, but not their actual organization. But what's funny is the guys like I was setting this training up two months ago and I just something else came up and I feel so bad that I didn't set this up. I feel so bad that I didn't set that up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like having that conversation like, hey, you can't change the past. Worry about today. Do the right thing and move on. That's all you can't do. But so many people, I mean, it happens all the time. Like, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done this. Well, if you listen to this, now's the time to do it. So, um, right. And it doesn't have to be with contingent group. It could be with anyone. Just keep your people safe. That's it. Or just do your own backgrounds. I mean, you, you can do that. If you want to do that and spend the time um, and you know what you're looking for, you think you know what you're looking for, do it yourself. Just keep your people, yourself, and your organization safe. So that's probably the biggest thing. That's kind of a, a huge run-on sentence there, but I apologize. <laughs> no, that's okay. It was a great run-on sentence. You you got a mulligan for it. It's wonderful. But, okay. you know, any time. And that's something that I can share with everybody from personal experience is that, you know, when you've got somebody that's starting to behave, sketch, act, sketch, and even when you remove that person, um, if you know, it's not uncommon that HR folks will get pushback from leadership for a wide variety of reasons as to why not to move forward with this kind of training. Some people will see it as a disruption in the workplace. Some people will say, well, we don't want to incite a problem when there isn't a problem. But that's the whole point. This is all about preventative medicine. This is all about making sure that Absolutely. your people just simply need to know what to do and when to do it. 
Um, I was very fortunate to, uh, to attend a training on how to train HR pros on this. Something as simple as teaching your people to take a fire extinguisher and discharge it as a way of mm-hmm. potentially disrupting. Or, and then when it's empty, club the guy on the head. I'm sorry, right. but it comes down to your life or theirs. Right. And just being able to, to teach people how to do something like that. And the other thing that I learned um, is that more often than not, there are usually signs. If you look at all of the major shooting events mm-hmm. that we've heard about in the last 10 years, going all the way back even to Columbine, everybody, it's always hindsight is 2020, that everybody has said there has been something there and nobody took action. And I think that's the biggest piece right there. Even if right. it's within the, it, just, you know, being a good person and saying, listen, I'm worried about this person. I just want to make sure that person's okay. You don't have to get involved past that. No, you do not. Nope, that is no. that is key right there. Very true. Very true. Well, any other strong words of wisdom there, my dear? Before I, I think, let you go run off and save the world. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think we're good. I think we covered it. I'm, I mean, if you get questions, I'm always here for a resource for you guys. So just let me know. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. All right, Brenda. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. So that's why Eddie is just so awesome. So you can actually get in touch with Eddie by jumping over to the affiliates page at bestpractices.org and click on the contingent group link and you can go look over on the website. Eddie's also all over social media as well. So if you want to follow him, you can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. His name is E-D-D-I-E. Last name is spelled P-E-N-N-E-Y. And um, we're going to wrap this up here. So... <clears throat> Best tips for when you're faced with engaging any type of workplace threats. So first, when you have a threat, don't ignore it. Or if you have a potential threat, don't ignore it. All right? you, you need to face it head on, and that's what we talked about a little bit earlier. Second, you're going to need to control your environment and take everybody's well-being into concern. And if there's a threat of violence, like an eminent threat of violence, you need to have the employee removed professionally. And I've, I've talked about this in another episode. I've talked about it over on the other show as well. Um, <clears throat> this is something that you also want to do under the guidance of an employment attorney. And formulating a legal strategy and acting usually take place hand in hand. Now, if you suspect something is about to happen, um, make sure you call your employment attorney, not your general counsel. And the reason why I say not your general counsel is because I've seen I've seen other attorneys actually in good faith give bad advice and uh, employment law is something that is a specialty and you want to make sure that you're talking to the specialist but if you have an urgent life-threatening situation something that's currently going on you know what call 911 just just bring them in and have them help out if it's a situation um, where people are literally either getting hurt or in the or just about ready to get hurt, get 911 on the phone and have the uh, employee professionally removed and handled. Just remember that when you do have law enforcement on site, you do not have control of the situation. It is in control of law enforcement and you really want to look at them as a partner in the situation and you don't want them looking at you as an obstacle. <clears throat> so you're going to really kind of want to think through how you're going to work with the with law enforcement in order to make things good. Um, 
All right, so third, you're also going to need to investigate the situation thoroughly. All right, here's how you become the HR hero in all this. All right, if you're in a position to advise senior leadership, make sure you do so and do exactly that. All right, don't become a yes person in this situation. But if senior leadership takes the reins, make sure that you're open and honest with the details including your recommendations for what you think and what these practices are in order to move forward right if you're leading the hr effort all right and if you're in a situation where you're overseeing you are you are taskmaster you are point on a particular uh, situation like this and senior leadership is there to support you keep advising but you're now coming from a different angle all right you're there to protect their interests, meaning uh, by keeping them appraised and facilitating a final determination or an outcome together, that's going to add that layer of protection between your employee and the C-suite. And really, trust me, the last place you want your CEO is on the witness stand. <laughs> so <clears throat> you, can, you can implement those things together. So if you're in a position where you're not 100% responsible for HR, but you're responsible for a certain segment of it you need to work with your senior leadership and you need to serve as that advisory role um, and it's okay to call out say hey listen I don't think we should do this because I think that there's going to be you know a threat of this or we're not mitigating enough risk and here's why I think that here's my recommendation always give them a recommendation um, because to them if you're just advising them with no recommendation it's just another problem <clears throat> all right and then remember, we're in the human business. In these circumstances, your emotional IQ and interpersonal skills are in high demand at this point. High, high demand. Uh, if you treat the offender, quote unquote, as a human being and not like somebody who, who's had judgment cast down on them, then honestly, it's highly likely that you're going to have a, a peaceful outcome to the situation. Maybe stressful along the way, but I can tell you from experience by treating people this way, the end result is usually positive. Um, and, and what I mean by that is even though the employee is facing some form of disciplinary action, your workforce either doesn't really fully understand what's going on, and that's not a bad thing, or your workforce is it's not realized like the full extent of the situation or the threat it's not fully realized with the rest of the employees and um, that's where the peace has a tendency to kind of happen at that point so while I was preparing for this episode I spent about 10 minutes writing down all of the cases that I've dealt with that involve some pretty hardcore situations and I kind of I was kind of surprised myself. I, I've forgotten some of these that I'm like, oh yeah, I have done that. So I'll, I'll share with you <clears throat> to the extent of how wiry it can get. Um, I've dealt with uh, situations that where there's been negligent practices involving classified information around national security. That's that's what an employee has done. They haven't lived up to the obligations of protecting classified information, and we've terminated them. Um, possible active shooter situation, identity theft, embezzlement, employee suicide, employee death by natural reasons, uh, theft or proprietary information, and near stabbing, one employee intimidating and lying to another employee for the sake of having power and control, domestic violence, murder, drug use, employee parties that went very, very wrong. We talked about that uh, in another episode. <clears throat> and very illicit manager to subordinate relationships, extreme ADA claims, 
And me personally, I was even accused of bullying by an employee as a ploy to, for her to hide what she was doing in the workforce. So she was trying to deflect what she was doing and tried to throw me under the bus at the same time. So, But every time I was actually faced with these situations, I was always an advocate that the employee in fault or question is still a human being and needs to be treated as such with respect. It's their behavior and that's a key point. It's their behavior that we're addressing, not them as an individual. And it's really hard for anybody to not cast judgment on someone who's stepped out of, leapt out of bounds. And that's an easy thing to forget, especially in the heat of the moment. Employees make mistakes. But I promise, more often than not, that if you treat an employee as a human, your end result is going to be much more productive than if they feel like they're being treated with disrespect under these tense circumstances. So mind you, that doesn't mean that you have to back down from your position, your policy, and your ethics. You just don't have to make them feel worse than they already do in this particular situation. So today I want to give a call out to Noel. Um, through Thank you so much for reaching out to me on LinkedIn and sharing uh, that you appreciate the art articles that I post on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. I do. I've been posting a lot of articles, some of these really juicy tidbits that I throw out on the show. Um, I've been actually putting them out as... Uh, clickable links over on LinkedIn so you guys are able to kind of see what is going on out there. Um, <clears throat> so email me your HR questions. I really want to hear what is on your mind and I've got a good question for today. Um, actually it's kind of an interesting one. But by all means, jump on the website over at bestpractices.org and click on the podcast link from the, from the menu. And down towards that bottom of that page is a submission form for you to post your questions, which I may be able to read and answer on an upcoming episode like this one that I'm about ready to tack off today. So the question for today <clears throat> is, as an HR professional, have you been able to use non-compete clauses or agreements successfully or are they useless? So there's a, a wide known... It's kind of like an unwritten thing. Everybody knows it because everybody says it, that <clears throat> protective covenants can sometimes be really, really hard to enforce. And, and that is the case in certain circumstances, but not in all circumstances. Um, matter of fact, a protective covenant is written in a way to where it is highly enforceable. I think it's just the perception of how somebody wants to use it. Um, deems it difficult to enforce. But I will tell you that I, right now I can tell you I've never had to take anybody to court um, for violating a protected covenant like a non-compete agreement or a confidentiality agreement or non-disclosure agreement. But what I can tell you is that there are steps to actually keeping it effective and it's never gone past step one and step two. <laughs> so step one is that if you've got an individual who is leaving the company and has signed a non-compete agreement, then it's perfectly appropriate when they leave to remind them that their non-compete is currently in force even though they are no longer em uh, employed and provide them the expiration date. When you do that, it's just keeping everybody friendly and keeping everybody playing on the same playground nicely, especially if you're in a small market where a person works in a niche industry, in a niche role, and it could be complicated for them to get another position. Now, in all fairness, as an employer, employers should also be asking during the application process, are you currently obligated to any form of non-compete agreement 
um, then that way that just puts all the cards on the table. But that's not what we're talking about in this question. That's just a little, just had a little work that one in there. Um, but when it comes, so that's step one, right? <clears throat> Let them know that they're still operating under a non-compete. The other piece of it is, and that, that's, let me just back up for a quick second. That's specifically if it's written in the non-compete. And you should know what's written in your non-compete agreements or any protected covenant for that matter. If you have an individual that is now moving into a situation where they are potentially violating the non-compete, then your best bet is to have that conversation with your employment attorney. Again, not your general counsel, but your employment attorney. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, non-compete agreements for businesses and doing business are written differently than non-competes for employment. <clears throat> they, there are little nuances and characteristics that are vastly different. So you want to get your employment attorney involved. And your employment attorney may say, this could be worth it, this could not be worth it coming uh, from their perspective. Usually when we're calling our attorney, we're calling him because we're a little, we're a little emotionally fissiled. <laughs> We've got something going on, we just want to talk to our attorney about it and figure out how we can stop this headache from happening. But that's the job of the attorney, is to be able to say, here's what your options are. And then they may actually recommend a reach out to the employee or to the person to remind them in a very nicely yet written letter from the attorney's office that says, just want to remind you, you are, and if you fail to stop, then these steps may take place. So I've actually used it in, the, in those two regards. Um, I've used it in every protective covenant that's out there. Uh, I have it, it solved the problem, to be honest with you. Step one, step two, both of them solved the problem. I've actually never had to take anybody to court uh, to execute a non-compete, a non-disclosure, or a confidentiality breach on those protected covenants. So they actually are effective. It's just how you use them that makes the difference. So <clears throat> yes, so I have been able to use the non-compete clauses or agreements successfully and haven't had to spend a lot of money doing it and it's very amazing how fast an employee will stop doing what they're doing when you call them out on it. So <clears throat> just um, just a little tip for you on that one. And that is what we've got for today. If you guys want to follow me and figure out what I'm up to in the world and what's coming up, because I can guarantee you 2020 is going to be super exciting. If you're not on the list, seriously, we've got some stuff coming down the pike, and I'm not going to even explore what that is on the show right now, but it's going to it's gonna start building, and it's really, really good stuff. In, uh, I keep wanting to talk about it, but I'm going to stop. So get on the mailing list. Um, you're going to get the advance notice. You're going to be lined up right at that velvet rope, and if you are in that spot, you'll be able to pass through where everybody else is going to be coming late to the show. <clears throat> so... You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name, Brenda Neckvottle, and that's spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And again, you can jump and find more information about what's going on on bestpractices.org. And when you do, remember, jump on that mailing list and you're going to get my best practices delivered directly into your inbox. You folks have a wonderful week. Um, the year is wrapping up quickly and I look forward to talking to you again on the next show. Have a good one, folks.